2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. I'm reading from the NIV. If you're physically able, out of reverence for God's word, please stand. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Lord, we humble ourselves today before your holy words, acknowledging, Lord, your presence among us and these scriptures which are God-breathed, inspired. Lord, we yield to them and we ask that you would speak to us beyond what is said by the speaker, but by your spirit, Lord, would you lead us and teach us and rebuke us that we might be trained in righteousness. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's college football season. I know for you all in the SEC, that's a big deal. Indiana fans like me, we're waiting for basketball to roll around. But I do have some college football experience. My wife, Gail, is a Penn State grad, and when we were dating, she went to all the home games, which is part of the reason I fell in love with her. You know, got a girl that goes to college football, you've got a winner. But Penn State and college football is different than here in the SEC, and one of the reasons is the temperature. There were times that we would go to a home football game where literally we'd be sitting on the bleacher and my knees would be high because I'm standing on snow that they can't clear out of the bleachers. One particular day during our tailgating and pregame, we were walking around um, the city, State College, and there was a guy with a chainsaw sculpting ice statues and it, I think it was a competition maybe and, it, and so everywhere every so many yards another person was sculpting their ice things sculptures and they were beautiful it was kind of neat to see them in progress it was it was phenomenal the artistry in that but I don't know how much money there is in uh, sculpting ice things. I don't know how much money there is in artistry. I don't know how much money there is in performance arts altogether. I remind my daughter in ballet, I don't know that there's a lot of money in this. Because the real money is not in artistry, it's in reliability. It really is. Would you rather hire somebody, Danny, you had some limbs cut down, would you rather hire somebody that would go and 
with his chainsaw and make a beautiful design out of a tree, or you just want that stuff hacked out and moved out. You want somebody that's going to show up and do the job and is going to be reliable. That's where the money is. We all know we don't want to hire an artist to do yard work. We just want it done, right? We know this. God knows it too. God wants us to be reliable. He wants us to follow through. He's hiring us, in a sense, to be his church, to be consistent. Because if you really want to be godly, the secret to godliness is consistency. I love C.S. Lewis. Man, he is a prolific writer and lecturer, and I can't get enough of him. I would love to sit down with C.S. Lewis someday. Of course, he's passed away, but just to have that conversation would be cool. But as wonderful as C.S. Lewis is, I would much rather have a good teacher all of my days because the best teachers are the ones that are there through thick and thin for years. They are reliable. We have Georgia Knight. How many years have you taught little kids? A lot. A lot. You don't want to give up your age, do you? <laughs> I'd much rather have a Georgia Knight teaching Sunday school than one visit with Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, who I'm inspired by. But it's the consistency, isn't it? We know that to be the case. In fact, if you're like me, you've probably learned that growing up. You've been taught by somebody, maybe a parent, maybe somebody in, um, that impacted your life, who told you, show up on time. Treat other people with dignity. Smile. Isn't that the Walmart thing? Smile. Listen to other people. Don't interrupt them. These are all lessons that we've learned. If you really want to be godly, the secret to godliness is consistency. So we come here to Timothy who probably felt a little inadequate or inferior. Timothy's probably what we would call a third-generation Christian. You have the first-generation Christians, those are the apostles, Peter, James, and John. And then you have Paul, who calls himself abnormally born. He was uh, later on. He persecuted Christians until God called him and made him to be an apostle. And we're going to call that maybe a second-generation Christian. And then you have Timothy. Timothy would be a third-generation Christian. And I'm sure he, surrounded by, maybe John the Apostle is still alive, but surrounded by these remarkable first- and second-generation people, he probably felt inferior, probably felt inadequate. We don't know that Timothy had any miraculous powers, but we know that Paul did, his mentor. Paul could do miracles. He did them among the Gentiles. Paul had crazy stories. Even Paul points out to Timothy, you know what I went through. You know the persecutions that I suffered and my sufferings. You know my way of life. One time, Paul was stoned in Lystra. 
Timothy was there to see that. Have you ever seen somebody stoned? I mean, that would really rock my world. That would, that would etch in my mind. Paul had experienced being caught up in heaven, third heaven, second heaven, caught up. You know anybody has been caught up in heaven? Paul was. That's Timothy's mentor. I can't imagine how insecure Timothy felt. Like, I am nothing compared to Paul. Maybe the insecurity that you and I feel when you compare yourself to somebody else. So Paul gives Timothy this advice. If you want to be like me, if you want to be faithful, if you want to be godly, his advice is this. You be consistent. You keep going in the way that you've been taught. That's a heroic trait. Consistency is a heroic trait. It's the secret to success. The text says, you, however, compared to everybody else, verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned because you know from those whom you learned it. Timothy learned from Paul, his mentor, but Paul would say that Timothy learned from his mother and his grandmother. He learned from trustworthy people growing up who weren't trying to mold him into some political hack, weren't trying to get a vote, instead really wanted Timothy to thrive and succeed and molded him. And so Paul says to Timothy, you continue in the way that you've been taught. That's the right way. You be consistent in the right way. You don't need some new secret knowledge. You don't need a new revelation. You don't need to buy the latest book on the Christian bookshelf. Maybe what we need is to continue what we have already learned, to be consistent, to be faithful. We can all do that, can't we? We can all be consistently faithful day in, day out, week in, week out. Sometimes people get the idea that religion or Christianity is for old people because, don't get mad at me, I'm just, because they have nothing else better to do. They got all kinds of time on their hands. They're not young. They don't have a young family. They don't have all these priorities. They don't have sports and, and uh, work all week. Listen, the older people I know are busier than the younger people I know. Not only are they uh, doing things, but a lot of times they're taking care of their kids and their grandkids, and they're doing it with an aging Rex body. Aging body. So why is it that older people are more consistent than younger people? It's not because they lack priority. It's because of maturity. You see, godliness involves a life of consistency. And all the things that Paul could have told Timothy, all of his experiences, all of his incredible wisdom, this is superior than C.S. Lewis. If Paul, if Paul wanted to reveal things, things unspoken or unspeakable, he could have done that, but he passed on to Timothy, you continue in the life that you have been taught from the people who you've ta been taught from reliability. We know 
in our everyday lives, the consistency is the way to improve ourselves. If you want to lose weight on a diet, you've got to be consistent with a diet. If you want to get in shape, you've got to be consistent with your workouts. If you want to be a better student, you've got to be consistent in your studies. If you want to heal, you've got to be consistent in your therapy. How many times do you know somebody who's gotten surgery to repair something and yet they have never followed through with the therapy and therefore the surgery didn't work and they're like, the surgery didn't work. And you want to say, you're partly to blame because it's a two-way street, consistency. The secret to godliness is a consistent obedience. Obedience to what? This is one of my favorite 316 verses. We all know John 316, right? But this 316 is just a wonderful passage of scripture. I want to read it again. Look in your Bibles at 2 Timothy 316. All scripture is God-breathed or inspired and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Consistency in the Holy Scriptures. A Jewish child is supposed to be taught the Hebrew Scriptures beginning at their fifth year. I think that's a good model that we should incorporate. We should practice. We should make sure that our kids and our grandkids know the Scriptures as well. And the scriptures are used not only to, to point out the right way to live, but especially the scriptures are used to point out Jesus Christ. Now look at how the Bible is used in 316. Useful for teaching. That's for understanding. That's for receiving knowledge and wisdom. For receiving instruction. That's so important. But I want you to notice the other side of scripture. Not only is it used for teaching, but it's used for rebuking which is pointing out errors or wrongs. You know, sometimes the church can become so mealy-mouthed and so, oh, it's all good. We don't want to be controversial. We love everybody. We love everything. And I understand that we do love everybody, that God, that Jesus died for all people. But there is right and there is wrong. And the right and the wrong is taught to us through the inspired scriptures. Uh, the Christian church that Eddie Groover has been teaching us, and he had to take a break today because of uh, COVID, but it'll start again next week. But one of the models of the Christian church is where the scrit scriptures speak, we speak. Where they are silent, we are silent. So in other words, our life is guided by scriptures. That's how we know right from wrong. So it's not only teaching, but it's also rebuking. But notice the next thing. It says correcting and training in righteousness. Correcting is this a behavioral or moral ethical correction. In other words, the Bible doesn't only teach us right and wrong, but it teaches us how to live righteously. It, it corrects us. Now, some people say, well, it's just the Bible, it's just a book. I, I understand that because there are just books that are out there, and you read them, and you enjoy them for a little while, but then you know, eventually you've moved on, you've read it, you put it on the shelf. But that's not the way the Bible is because 
it's pointed out that the Bible is God-breathed. It's inspired. It's living and active. What that means is that as you absorb the scripture, it does something. There's like a chemical uh, reaction. The scripture speaks to us in a way that, unlike any other book, and it speaks to us in a way that changes our behavioral and ethical standing, who we are. I would suggest to you that one of the biggest problems with a church is Christians who don't behave like Christians. Well, the Bible helps to corral that or guide that. But more than just correcting, it is also a training in righteousness. A training in righteousness. The, the, the Bible not only corrects us and fixes us, but it also puts us on a pathway to be righteous. I mean, the Bible's got some good stuff in it. It really does. And it's the kind of thing that only you can best experience as you get into God's Word. So we emphasize Bible study on Wednesday and Sunday school on Sunday morning. We've had small groups in the past. I don't know that we do a good job of emphasizing the Bible enough because the Bible is a daily thing. Just like education should be a daily thing, fitness should be a daily thing, dietary should be a daily thing, scripture could be, should be a daily thing. I know some people have email scripture posts or or they get texts that have scripture in it, or some people have read the Bible in a year, a daily verse. And there's all kinds of ways to manifest the Bible, but it's best done when you become the recipient on a regular basis. It's inspired. The secret to godliness is consistency. The most mature are the most consistent. Let's finish that verse 17, though. It says, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It, and this, that's the singular there. That's actually referring to Timothy. So that Timothy, as he's consistent in the way that he was taught and the example, the exemplar of, of Paul, uh, and in the way that he has seen Paul live his life, then he will be um, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so it's specifically speaking to Timothy, but I gotta tell you, I think it's speaking to us too. Not all of us were blessed with parents that raised us in the church. And I understand that I'm, I'm painting with a broad generalization, but I want to remind you once again of the heroic character of consistency. What a beautiful thing that is. Consistency in God's word, consistency in the way that we've been taught, that's going to make us to be effective in our ministry to others. I kind of wish I was at my brother's church today in Gerard, Georgia, Corinth Church of Christ, because today he celebrates 10 years of ministry at that church. We made a little family video for him to say congratulations. 10 years is remarkable. And this church is out in the middle of nowhere. There's no glory to it at all. 
And it's a church that runs a strong 25 people. And he's been consistently faithful there, and I'm so proud of him for that. Ten years. But I'd be remiss to celebrate his ten years when Helen's on, what, 71 years at Faithful Christian? I mean, I could go through and point, 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 point of consistency in service to this church. And we all know that when we want to hire somebody, we want to hire somebody that's going to say what they mean and do what they say. Do you think God is any different? Of course he's not. He wants us to be his exemplars of consistency in God's word and God's behavior. We could do this, can't we? We could do it. And no matter where you are in your spiritual life, you can make the commitment today, today, day one, that you're going to be consistent in God's word, consistent maybe in the way that you've been taught. Paul calls that what I'm going to label as a heroic characteristic of all the things that he could have taught Timothy, it was consistency. And maybe that's the thing that we should celebrate here at this church as well, the thing that we should push and emphasize. Maybe the thing that you'll take ownership of day one today. Let's pray together.